The tale of Samus can now be told. Welcome to Video Gameography, everybody. This is the podcast where we explore the most important game series of all time, one title at a time. I'm Ben Reeves. And I'm Marcus Stewart. And today we're joined by the illustrious Kyle Hilliard, ex-game informer. I didn't even ask you how you wanted to be introduced beforehand, Kyle. I just assumed Kyle Hilliard does it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how it works, I guess. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Ben. Yeah, ex-game informer, current min-max. I work for Game Mill, the Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl people. Like, I'm, I'm there. That's enough, right? Dad, devoted husband. Uh, Metroid fan. I don't know what else you want. <laughs> Marcus, should we just let him keep going and see what he says next? Yeah, I want to see that business card with all of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, those aren't ready yet. <laughs> business cards. Who needs them these days, huh? Yeah. Right, guys? Well, business Get into scroll. it. <laughs> well, this is probably an unnecessary peek behind the scenes of our programming schedule, but you are actually the first person to reach out who isn't like a GI person where when this show debuted, you were like, oh, I want to be on the Metroid Other M episode. I was like, oh, okay. That one's not going to be hard to schedule like I thought it would yeah. be. Yeah. Before we started, you you said you were thinking of maybe sending me an invite for Metroid Prime 3, mm. uh, which I, I think I actually said at some point recently on, on MinMax was maybe my favorite Metroid. Even like, mm. I think Dread is honestly my favorite Metroid game now. But I think, and then I said Metroid Prime 3, but it's funny because I think Other M is like the more interesting title to talk about i like i have a lot of i well that's a, the funny thing is i don't really have a lot of memory of metroid prime 3 i just remember enjoying it and finishing it but other m i have a lot more specific memories of and i also played it like within the last two years like i streamed it from my personal twitch channel i played the whole thing through again just sort of with the idea of like I think this game is better than people give it credit for should i go back and double check which i i did and I that's kind of where I am. I I think it's better than it gets credit for, but it's it's probably maybe the weakest Metroid game. Yeah, but even that has an asterisk because like Metroid One and Two, like you can't really go back to those very comfortably yeah, these days. Of their time, I think if you could go back and play Metroid, the first Metroid when it released, it'd be like, yeah, this game's fine. This game's interesting, and I, I would say the same thing about the the Game Boy One, given its time and place. Mm. But time and place metroid other m i think you're kind of like eh, well still... my argument has always been and it's funny like i i it's not like i really it's, i'm not getting on this high horse of being like you guys you got to play other m it's you missed out this is like a you guys are being mean to this game unnecessarily it's not like this hidden gem but the thing about it that i always feel is that like it's a good metroid game but all the contextualization around like what you're doing like the fact that you have to get like approval to start using weapons as opposed to just finding them naturally in the environment like sucks and it really deflates the excitement of getting a new weapon but in terms of like the cadence of how the game works you're still getting cool weapons at the right time to expand your tools for exploration it just doesn't feel as good as just finding it in a room to get a call from some dude who's like, yeah, okay, yeah, now you can use that thing you've had all along. Like, that's... That oh, yeah, sucks. I've been watching you struggle for the last 20 minutes not being able to shoot these guys. Here, why not? I'll just unlock this yeah, weapon for you. Even to enter the room where you're burning alive. Use your suit that stops that. Oh, sorry, sorry, Samus. I had to get up and go to the John. Are you okay? Oh, you're burning. Oh, here, let me unlock this. <laughs> exactly. Like, that just... It just breaks it. It breaks it apart. But, like, if... 
if you were to like skip all the cutscenes and just sort of understand that like at this point in the game you need to find this thing then it's like a solid metroid you know game design it it's still functionally there it just doesn't feel the same yeah i think i think i'm on a similar level as you kyle in that i think the gameplay itself there's there's some elements there that i really enjoy other elements just don't work. the counter system i actually playing dread i think i like the counter system in other m more because you just kind of tap any direction on the d-pad to to dodge out of the way and like the window for that dodge is pretty big so you can kind of like tap around and move around and it feels really good you you dodge like multiple times in a row just by sort of tapping like left on the d-pad where dread and um samus returns is a more traditional counter system where it's like you need to press a button at a specific time right even though we maybe are hey this game doesn't get enough due for its gameplay, I think we can acknowledge that it has some some limitations there in the story department. You, you're not going to go to bat for the story, are you? Oh no, God no! That's the big problem with it. Like, yeah, I I, I went and read the um, Iwata asks interview about other M, and uh, the, the the like the guy they had three people in that. The, if you if you're not familiar, Iwata asks are these old interviews where Satoru Iwata interviewed uh, developers about games there is an other m1 where they interview the producer they interview someone at tecmo and then they interview this guy uh katura who was he did all the like cg cutscenes for the game yeah company called d rockets yeah and apparently they were like uh like a company that really did like commercials mostly at that point and uh there's a quote from katara where he says about samus and working on these cutscenes he says samus is a woman who is poor at coping with life's problems which from my perspective is not what Samus is at all. It is like the polar opposite of what Samus is. Samus is one of the most capable women in video games, like period. Yeah. And like to, for that to be like a baseline misunderstanding from the people who are crafting the visuals for the story, like that's a problem. Like that's a huge problem. And we can get into it here in a, in a bit too, but it's so interesting that they fail there. But then Sakamoto producer on that game and dread, and I feel like they nail Samus's interpretation in Dread. You know, she's just this quiet. Yeah, they just calm. make her a quiet badass. And that's like, <laughs> done. <laughs> I, I just don't know. It is so weird that those two things, it feels like they're designed by two different people, but it's the same producer on yeah. both games. Uh, Marcus, what, uh, before we get into it, what was your takeaway on Other M? Is this a game you've played? No, this is the only mainline Metroid game I've never touched. And a lot of it was because. Of oh, Zap- man, you got to play it. Dude, it's, it's like this hidden best. gem. <laughs> I'm sold now. And, you know, it's funny, Kyle, when you mentioned going back and replaying it two years ago, I've had that thought in my mind. because I don't I don't own the game. I never bought it. A lot of it was because of reviews at the time. Uh, I remember Game Informer's review was one of the harshest out there. And like everything I was hearing about it, like I just didn't want my perception of samus to be sullied <laughs> so it's like i don't want to oh, play sure. this and have this have her ruined for me basically because it sounds like this is what this game is doing so it sounds like i can skip it and i've always had my mind like oh maybe years later when i i maybe i'll let myself play it but that just never came um but i did uh at the time and also for this i watched every cutscene from the story uh <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so you found the 
the worst part of the game and experience that part of it. <laughs> yeah, well, that like we said, that seemed to be the primary concerns with the with the game. Yeah. Right, is that the story was terrible. It, one that it even had a story, which was in itself like, oh, that's interesting because you know, Metroid. Yeah, it's certainly the most the most story Metroid has ever had. I, I think as well. Yeah, because the Prime games have like decently fleshed out plots like they have like beginning middles and end but even then it's pretty it metroid has always felt more like a vibe to me yeah than like a narrative but yeah watching watching the cutscenes again like i think uh, i found like a, a super cut that was like almost two hours worth of cutscenes. like that's a movie <laughs> that this game has and seeing how long some of them went and then looking up and hearing that apparently they're unskippable yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, I was like, oh boy. Like, it was even kind of rough to, to get through even just watching it. Um, in a way, if the game is better as it, or as as fun to play as it sounds like, maybe that even seems like a reward to some extent for getting through this instead of just having to, to just eat my vegetables, so to speak. <laughs> so yeah, it's, story-wise, it's pretty rough. Yeah, well, we'll get into that in a minute. I think to start, let's, uh, let's all cast our minds back to 2010. The game came out in on August 31st, 2010. A few other games of that year. Red Dead Redemption. Great game. Mm. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Mass Effect 2. God of War 3. Super Mario Galaxy 2. Just to name a few of the big games of that year. Also, that was the year that Kinect released from Microsoft. The, the original Dance one. Dance Central. Project right, yeah. Natal. That's that's right. Yeah, it used to be called Project Natal. I remember Kudos Nudo coming in to show us the thing, and he was wearing his sunglasses the whole time. That's a pretty baller move. What is that guy doing now? I don't know. Is he still at Microsoft? Yeah. Were you around at GI at the time, Kyle? Uh, that was, I started in, in 2011. Okay. So that was like, I I came in and I remember Metroid Other M was still sort of discussed in hushed tones. Like former editor in chief Andy McNamara. Uh, a huge Metroid fan uh-huh. cites the original Metroid as like why he's in the industry hates other M. And I remember it coming up periodically and him just being like, uh, like visibly angry about other M and its existence. Is that like the, <laughs> the Voldemort of the GI office? Like we don't, we don't. Yeah, yeah kind of. Well, I do remember, I uh, see Phil Kohler was reviewing it and he was playing it in that big conference room. And you know, p- people were curious about that game. So they'd wander in and watch him play and, Andy was in there half the time. I think he watched most of that game, watched Phil play most of it, but he wanted to watch and just insult it. The whole thing. he was doing his Andy thing, like, <laughs> just like look at this crap. Uh, see, I guess that's that's sort of the the I like. I think that's the thing that bugs me about the conversation around this game is that when it's like totally a hundred percent dismissed as being an awful game like it is it is not an awful game it's a mediocre metroid game which means it's still a pretty good video game yeah i think if all you do is watch the story you're like we said you're distilling the worst part of the game and injecting that into your body rather than you got to play the game and actually get hands-on to feel what is valuable about this game you need to go hands-on with yeah, and I'll even uh, like because you were talking talking about the release year. I, th- I mean, I guess it was was it E three twenty two thousand nine or it might have been E three two thousand ten when they announced it. And I remember watching it the announcement with a friend who loved Ninja Gaiden. Like the 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 modern Ninja Gaiden series was like some of his favorite games. And so when they announced that uh, they were making the next Metroid, and they showed uh, they showed cutscenes or not cutscenes, they showed like 
a lot of action sequences. They showed a lot of the counters that you can pull off in the game where Samus like literally will grab enemies by the neck and just like fire a full blast like in their in their face. And I remember him and I, my friend, being like, this looks awesome. Wait, does this friend have a name? Doesn't sound like a real person. Jim. His name was Jim. Doesn't sound like a real name. My buddy Jim. And uh, I mean, so I was really excited for it. I was like, yeah, this this company that is renowned for how good their action gameplay is taking on a Metroid. Yeah, sign me up. That's what's wild about the story, too, because like when I think of Team Ninja, story is not the thing (laughs) I think of with that studio, which makes it even more bizarre that they would attempt that with a franchise that also isn't, again, known for big narratives. Apparently, Sakamoto was playing a lot of Ninja Gaiden at the time, and the first one that came out, uh, man, when did that come out? 2006, 2005, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Oh, like the 3D one? Yeah, the the first 3D one. That was earlier, right? Like 03, 04? I think Marcus might be right, because it was like mid-high school for me, yeah, so maybe like 03, yeah. All right, well, all right, Hotshot, let's look it up. (laughs) (laughs) It was original original Ninja Gaiden, remember. Not Ninja Gaiden Black, the original Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. Okay, 2000, oh, Black did come out in 2005, but uh, so okay. the original Xbox one came out in 2004. I think we can split the difference there. So we're all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I said 04. Oh, did you? Okay, I thought yeah, you said 03. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Well, <laughs> so my theory is now is that Sakamoto was playing Ninja Gaiden Black. <laughs> He's finally gotten around to it. <laughs> and he said, what a great story. Well, he was like, oh, this action's so cool. It'd be cool to do this in a Metroid game. He wasn't wrong. Yeah, it's, it's fair. Why not? Well, let's let's back up even from there, because in April of 2007, Game Informer did a bold move and it put the Team Ninja Metroid game on our cover before it was even announced. Really? Remember this? No, it was a Game Enforcer. We did a Game Enforcer where... It was oh, Matt Birds, right. who was our content editor at the time. He was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, the people who make the beach volleyball game were making a Metroid game and they just did not understand. So that was the whole premise of the joke. You can read about that online. But that was before the game was announced. And then like a year later, <laughs> this Metroid game is announced from Team Ninja. And we're like, wait, what? But that was a joke we made. <laughs> you guys ever interviewed Sakamoto about that and asked, like, did you guys see the thing we did? <laughs> no. I totally should next time I talk to him. Assuming that happens, I don't have him like on speed dial or anything. It's like you guys hang out every weekend. Well, we've been talking about retro for the last several episodes. I think it'd be fun just to recap where they're at at this point. In 2008, Retro saw a bunch of key developers leave the studio. So Mark Pacini, who was the director on all three Prime games, the art director Todd Keller, and one of the technology engineers, Jack Matthews, and they go and form their own company, Amateur, which you guys are probably familiar with. Remember, they did um, ReCore, a couple other yeah. games. And yeah, their first Armature, that was the Batman Arkham City, or Arkham Origins. Eight, the Vita Metroidvania. Handheld spinoff for Vita and DS, right? 3DS, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's like a Metroidvania, right? With side-scroller. Yeah, I never played it because it was one of those things It was like, it came out and everyone was down on it like immediately pretty much Uh, which i mean the arkham games are pretty metroid inspired as it is so i was kind of excited about the idea of like sort of a 2d take on that but i yeah i never gave it a shot maybe it's maybe i should yeah maybe should maybe we'll cover it here someday who knows so around the same time shigeru miyamoto decides that he's like hey we should do another donkey kong game and 
Kinsuke Tanabe, who is the producer of the Metroid Prime games, he suggests, hey, maybe Retro Studios should do something Donkey Kong related. I think they'd be good for that. And Retro Studios was in the middle of all this shifting around. So they're like, sure, we'll we'll do Donkey Kong. So that leaves the Metroid Prime series kind of in a big question mark. Like, is does that mean just Metroid Prime's on hold? And yeah, it turns out it's been on hold for what <laughs> over 10 years. So our old friend Yoshio Sakamoto, remember him? Yes. We've been talking about him. He's Mr. Metroid. The most popular man at the Mall of America, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Who's uh hey, Everett, this guy created Metroid. So real quick, before we dive too deep into in that uh, Iwata Ask interview, he describes himself as a man burning with passion, but just running around in circles. That's how he describes himself. That's funny. I Kyle, I think you pulled all the same quotes I did, so I'll just refer to you later when I was going to reference. <laughs> oh, good, thank you. Yeah, at first I thought he gave himself a Soul Caliber intro. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's good. Yes, yeah, worth distinguishing that Sakamoto is the producer, has been the producer slash director on a lot of the 2D games, but he didn't really have any hand in the Prime games. That was all Tanabe. Kinsuke Tanabe was the producer on all three, and it should be noted he is the producer on four. But as far as I okay. can tell, Sakamoto does not have a hand in Metroid Prime 4. Did, do you know? Yeah, is he in the credits, like executive producer or like consultant or anything like that? Or Yeah, maybe they consulted him, but it seems like there's this interesting divide where it's like, if it's a 3D game, Tanabe does it. And if it's a mm. more of a 2D style game, Sakamoto does it. The weird exception is being Other M, which Sakamoto produced and kind of oversaw. He also... He also directed Other M, should be noted, mm. and he was the pr principal writer. So he had a big hand in Other M. And Other M has those 2D segments, so. Yeah. So it seems like, okay, we're going to take a, a pause on the Prime series. So Sakamoto sees a gap and he's like, hey, let me jump in here. I have an idea for a Metroid game. Do you guys know what his idea was? No. Uh -uh. Well, it's in that interview you keep referencing, Kyle. He I actually, haven't read that. <laughs> he actually says he's he's talking to Awada. He says, when I was first thinking about plans for this Metroid game, referring to other mm -hmm. M, he says there were things that I found difficult to get people within Nintendo to understand. I think my idea sounded outrageous or seemed to be a pipe dream. Things like wanting to create a steady 3D space despite the player scrolling horizontally to progress through it or wanting to have super long cinematics but having them seamlessly integrate into the plot so that the player follows the story while playing. I did think that it was hard for people to understand such things while I mentioned them. It's like nobody in Nintendo is like, what are you talking about? Like a Metroid game with a story? <laughs> I just love this like picture of like, he's trying to pitch this Nintendo, this uh, Metroid game to Nintendo and they just don't get it. I mean, prime three had cutscenes. I think it did. It? it had story. I, like, yeah, I don't know what. So this goes back to our, our super Metroid episode where we talked about, Super Metroid being much more cinematic. And I think Sakamoto is just a guy. He loves movies and he thinks games could be more filmic. So yeah. I think mm. that's been his big push in a lot of the Metroid games that he's had a hand in is, hey, what if this was more like a movie? And you can definitely see that in Super Metroid. I think it works pretty well, given the li limitations of the SNES. You know, there were elements that it was like, oh, this is kind of like cool and movie like, but obviously you couldn't make a movie on the Super Nintendo. But now that the Wii's out, maybe you could use modern technology and do something a little bit more like a movie. I think that was his thought. 
And Nintendo was like, mm. what are you talking about? We're a game company. It's weird, especially after Prime 3, like we talked before, like the opening of that game is pretty much just a straight up action movie. And everyone's talking like nonstop <laughs> <laughs> to Samus. Yeah. And it's it's so jarring. So like, you know, he already dipped his toe in that with that game. Uh, so I could see him, I guess, looking at them like, hey, this works. Let's go all the way with it. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Awada responds to him. He says, like, well, when Nintendo makes games, we usually start by creating the game systems and features rather than the story or appearance of the world. Yeah. This time, however, because you wanted to present the story first, people initially found it difficult to understand the order of approach, which I think is interesting. It feels like he just couldn't get any traction within Nintendo. And so he started to look. This is totally speculation, by the way, but it seems like he couldn't get traction within Nintendo, any internal teams to take this idea. So he went outside the company and said, hey, Team Ninja want to make a Metroid game. That's the impression I kind of have. Yeah. Like he really wants Samus to do these thumbs down a lot. Should that be a mechanic? Should you point the <laughs> Wiimote down to do it? Does that sound cool, guys? Look, or? the Wiimote, it's uh, like a giant thumb. Oh, there we go. I remember the announcement too, Kyle. You were talking about watching the announcement with a friend. And I also had friends. In fact, I had two friends. Mm. And their names were? Uh, Jim and Pam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I remember watching that announcement and being like, ooh, this is cool. This sounds exciting. Like Team Ninja. I like Team Ninja. I like the Ninja Gaiden games. I, I'm, I think making a game a little bit more action sounds, the Metroid game a little more action-y sounds a little weird to me, but I like the fact that it's in third person now. I always liked the Prime games in the first person view, but part of me still wanted a third person 3D Metroid game. And I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Like, let's see what they do and take the Metroid formula and put it into a different 3D context. I want to see how that will work. So I was excited for this game before it came out. You weren't off put because I remember watching the announcement, too, and being excited. But they showed a lot of cutscenes in that initial trailer, like like the uh characters and samus's little friends talking to her and i remember at the time just kind of like recoiling from that like ew like this dialogue seems questionable i don't know if, what this is all about but maybe there's not a ton of it <laughs> in the game i mean i i i had always liked the world of metroid i was i've always been open to more story for sure in metroid i'm not opposed to it so i think i was excited even about that at the time yeah i uh i also real quick i looked up i looked up moby games you know the website that sort of has credits for games and stuff and sakamoto he was he got special thanks uh in the credits for the metroid prime games thanks for creating this series i guess or just being the curator of metroid because that's kind of what he is he's kind of like what onuma is to zelda i feel like at this right. point where he's not really directing them but he is crucial to their continuation and to be fair he didn't like hand you know single-handedly created either but he was there for its inception he worked on the first game he's been a producer on well that's that's kind of why i'm saying he's sort of like the onuma at this point because onuma had nothing to do with the creation of zelda he didn't come on until ocarina i think was the first zelda he worked on yeah and you and and sakamoto was involved in the beginning but you know yeah he's not like no one would call him the creator of metroid or anything like that yeah. I think he's just but he's in of, charge of it now. Sort of like a glorified consultant at this point. Like I'll walk in every now and then and say like, oh, that that seems cool. Or maybe change this thing a bit. But I get, or he's just, he just, every, every, every approval probably goes through him. Is this, a, you know, when Mercury Steam's working on Dread, they were probably like, hey, we want to feature this. Is this a good idea? And he was probably the one that gave a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Like he would send them the GIF from ah. Metroid Other M. 
there's uh, I was going to get into it later, but it sounds like you mentioned that Sakamoto is a guy of burning passion. What is the quote? He runs around <laughs> yeah. the room. He's a band of burning passion who r- runs around in circles. I was reading another interview with some of the Team Ninja devs, and they there's a lot of talk about he's a very particular guy and he has a lot of ideas, but sometimes it's hard for him to articulate it. And so it's a lot of like, no, 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 until you get it just right. And it's like, yes, apparently somebody Mm. counted it up and there were 10,000 emails sent just to the cinematics team alone, like him, him back and forth with them. I'm like, that's, that's crazy. There'd be meetings that lasted up to 10 hours where people would have their lunch and dinner in one meeting. (laughs) It's like, Oh, this guy is, particular and has opinions about things and sometimes that apparently caused some stress during development yeah i could see that stress developing a metroid game what yeah turns out for all accounts like the develop team ninja and nintendo talked very highly of each other during all the interviews i read and said like yeah this is great you know sakamoto has particular choices but like we actually enjoyed this time and like everybody seemed happy at least during the creation of the thing. Yeah. I know the Iwata Asks interview, at least, I think was released right before Other M came out. So I wonder if, upon reflection, you know, based on the consumer feedback, if maybe they would have a different story to tell. <laughs> you know? It's like it's like listening to a director's commentary on a poorly received film, and the filmmakers, you know, recorded the commentary before the movie came out, and they're like, yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it goes, but you know, we really like how this came out. You know, <laughs> people are gonna love this Jar Jar guy. Uh, oh, we can't wait for this to become a meme. <laughs> a meme, yeah. Before memes even existed, it's gonna create a whole <laughs> idea right. of transporting ideas. <laughs> uh, so, just going back to the the core concept, you talked about he wanted to make it more filmic, but also at the same time, he wanted to go back to the heart of the NES game. He wanted to make a game that was just like those old NES games, but with modern technology. There was uh, Yosuke Hayashi, who is the leader on the Team Ninja side during this Awada Ask interview, Kyle, that you love so much. Haven't heard of it. He says, Sakamoto-san said, I want to create a Metroid game that can be played with just one Wii remote controller. That was like the big thing for this game. The Wii had just come out. The whole thing was like, hey, we got this new weird controller. And we also have an attachment for that controller called the nunchuck. But we're not going to touch that nunchuck thing. We don't care. We just want to focus <laughs> on the controller itself. And what can you do with a game with just this one controller? Which it's an interesting idea. I'll give him that. But just the controller itself, it only has you know the two buttons on the face. And a deep. there's no analog stick. The sh- There's like a shoulder button, I guess you can say. There's like the Z button. Yeah, but it's not easy to hit, especially if you're holding it like a, an NES joypad. What did you guys think about the controls? I think I think they're bad. <laughs> Don't just come out and say it, but um, they're limited. I, yeah, I don't hate them. I guess I feel like they did a good job with the limitation that they set for themselves. I, I don't know. I think it works because I think the game is like fully designed around that. Uh, basically having the D-pad and the way the levels are laid out and the corridors and stuff like that. The And I even like, I like it, uh, I like how you turn, you know, you you point the, the pointer towards the television to enter first person to fire missiles and things like that, which was cool. It was one of those things which is like, 
it's like this is you can describe almost any Wii game this way. It's like it was really cool when it worked. But like when it didn't work, which was like 60 to 70 percent of the time and you're kind of fumbling, you're in the middle of a boss fight and you got to switch to first person, it would be frustrating. But when it worked and you pulled off like a really slick counter and the, you know, the boss was stunned and you, you've switched into first person to fire off at him, I, like it was cool and I thought it worked well. But it just didn't work every time, which was the problem. Yeah. Do you guys remember, could you use the classic controller for it? No, I don't think so. I don't think you could because you had to, like Kyle was saying, you had to have a Wii remote that you could turn towards the screen to enter into that first person camera. That was how you looked around around the environment. And that was also how you shot. That was the only way to shoot missiles. You couldn't shoot missiles in normal combat unless you were looking through first person. It was a weird, funky system. Yeah, but I, it sounds like I'm, a, I'm more positive on it than you were, it sounds like, Reeves. I, I never, I didn't fight with it too much except for that switch. When you're just like running around, I feel, I, I, I feel like it was pretty good and it felt good. Well, they, they do a lot of automation, like we talked about in terms of, you know, you mentioned the dodging. If you just hammer on the D-pad a little bit in combat, you'll automatically dodge. She automatically dodges. When you would turn around a corner the camera would turn with you and you could keep holding right if that's the direction you're running. And even though you were running towards the screen now, it would, it was pretty automated to know which direction you had been running and just continue that way. So they, they had a lot of automated systems in the back end to help you out because you have such limited controls. Yeah. Like they designed the world around that limited navigation. So it, it, it kind of worked, but yeah, if you were to like, port it to switch or something i think it wouldn't i don't think it would feel right it would feel weird yeah, i don't i i kind of wonder if they'll will ever see that game again they could do like a skyward sword kind of reworking of the controls maybe maybe I, I i'm remembering i made a a joke about it on twitter i think where they had like a recap video ahead of dread they they released so much video content ahead of dread just sort of like explaining the story up to that point and stuff like that and other M is like noticeably absent to the point where I'm like, are we even considering other M canon anymore? Because it is, it is a sequel to Super Metroid. It it picks up right like the opening cutscene of Other M is the end cutscene of Super Metroid. But it seems like they've kind of abandoned it in terms of Metroid canon. That seems like a Nintendo thing to do to remaster that game before the Prime trilogy. <laughs> I mean, I would love for it to just be on that rumored, you know, it's been rumored for years, the the Prime Trilogy remaster. Yeah. Like, just throw other M on there, too. Why not? Like, <laughs> can't hurt, right? <laughs> Make it unlockable. Make it a secret unlockable. Like sneaking you know? your vegetables in your dessert or something. <laughs> well, I'd be interested in revisiting it because they do some cool things like you're mentioning, Kyle. Is Metroid in 3D and going back to the original idea of exploring an area. But a lot of the times you are side scrolling, but sometimes you'll enter an arena where it's a little bit more third person control or the, the camera tilts up. And so you're, you're looking at Samus from a slanted perspective, or you're running away from the camera towards the camera, kind of classic crash bandicoot style stuff. Yeah. But the, the way they like use the camera and weave around the environment and then let you explore areas is neat. I actually like that stuff. And I would love to see that again. It doesn't work in a first person game, but in a third person style Metroid game, I was even hoping that we'd see some of that stuff in Dread. Like maybe at one point in Dread, you're running towards the camera or something. They didn't do it, which is probably fine. 
but I would love to see them return to some of those concepts. But in a sad way, it feels like Metroid Other M salted the earth. So anything that was even good in the game, they're probably not going to return to because they have this bad perspective on it. Yeah, which it's really is too bad. Like, I really think mechanically Other M is cool and super fun, but it's just the sort of the story dressing around it that really drags it down. And it's and it really and I, I mean, because people love Samus so much and that sort of has a negative representation of her and the story is not great it's just it's hard for people to accept that you know it's hard for people to be like well they ruined that thing i love even if it mechanically looks good you know it's like last jedi or something where it looks gorgeous it's a great looking movie but like it it sucks you kind of play the game on mute right we're like oh this is fun but i don't want them to i don't want to be constantly reminded of what they're doing to samus as a character oh and you can't by the way I, I I meant to say um not Last Jedi, the third Star Wars movie. I'm sorry. I really love uh, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. I love Last Jedi, to be clear. Last Jedi is fantastic. Yeah, Rise yeah. of Skywalker is the one that's very pretty that is frustrating and ruins Star Wars I'm glad <laughs> a lot we of ways. Agree on that, Kyle. I'm a Last Jedi defender too. Oh yeah, let's bring that up on this podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> the internet loves that. They're already mad at you for saying Other M is cool. So <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Last Jedi is fantastic and Other M is great. Let's do it. Well, we talked about Sakamoto being a man of bringing passion in the 10,000 emails. <laughs> there was, in addition to all that, apparently during some of the cinematics were so long. We talked about a little bit of the cinematics. The cinematics look good, by the way. I think the game looks really interesting. Yeah. And despite what is happening when the characters open their mouths, it looks cool. I'll give them that. For, especially for a weekend. Yeah, some of the faces are weird. Yeah. Looking outside of Samus, she got some real doll-like teammates. <laughs> Pretty much everyone that isn't her looks real some weird. Some of it's, you know, it's a game that's 10 years old at this point. So some of it's that. Some of it's, you know, the Wii wasn't as powerful as other consoles of its era. But this, since the game had so many cinematics, it was actually like the biggest game to come out on a Wii on a single disc like just file size really it's just massive because there's so many cinematics because they're they're pre-rendered right is sort of what yeah. specifically intro because like twilight princess i'm sure has probably just as many cutscenes, but they're not pre-rendered they're all in engine the fact that their pre-rendered cutscenes yeah. are so big that they had trouble fitting the game into onto one disc and they at some points sakamoto was going frame by frame on some of these movies, like cutting frames out and like, oh, I, I saved myself a couple of seconds here, so we should be good later on. My vision can be complete <laughs> later on for that other movie. Man, I like that he went full Kojima for this. I know. Kyle, since you re- recently went back and replayed it, did you find yourself compelled to go and hunt down all the all the missile tanks and all that? Well, the first time I played it when it came out, I did. I got 100%. And that was actually my, my I would, when I would argue with people about it, I would be like, there's that point in Metroid game where you sort of complete the game and then you're going for 100%. And I feel like Other M is really great then. It's like one of the, like a really great Metroid game at that point where you're finally su- like sweeping up everything and getting 100%. But I didn't do it this recent time I played mainly because I was streaming it. Like I was just streaming it in full. If I was just playing it for fun on my own, I probably would have because I don't think it would have taken that much extra time. But when you're streaming a game, you kind of just want to like get through it and move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's too bad because this is the only or at least the first game is the Prime Trilogy that does not have any special cutscenes for getting 100% item completion. So they kind of took away the reward for doing it. 
Yeah. And also I wasn't super compelled to do it anyway, just because partially as we talked about the missiles, I at some point in the game is like, I don't need more missiles. I never use missiles just because I hate switching over to that first person <laughs> perspective. I think there was an optional boss, actually. I think that might have been was something worth seeking out. I could be wrong about that, but I think there was an optional boss. That was it was handy to have a lot of missiles for. Hmm. Going back to Sakamoto being this kind of obsessive person, there was a person on the Team Ninja dev team who said, I could really feel their obsessiveness toward the game especially Sakamoto-san. So he's talking about, you know, the Nintendo side team was really obsessed. He's basically saying Sakamoto-san specifically was kind of obsessed with certain things. He'd be so frank with us when he thought something was no good. And then Awada responds. This is another Awada ass. I think it was a different one than the one you were reading, Kyle. Awada would respond. He says, he's just the same within the company, though. (laughs) Everyone around him is exposed to his outright rejections on a regular basis. And then he laughs. Uh, it's com- it's a completely different world, but even when he was making a lighthearted game like WarioWare, he's always ready to axe any mini game that doesn't reach his standards. Is he rejecting just everyday life? Like you walk up to him like, hey man, good morning. And he just like rips on your outfit. Like, why'd you wear, <laughs> why'd you wear that shirt today? <laughs> I don't think he's a jerk. I That's the impression I got too, is he's very like kind of emotional per- like something will happen and he would almost like break into tears when watching some of the cinematics so i don't think he's like an a-hole or like a steve jobs type person but he would be mm-hmm. very particular about certain choices and be like this has to be right this has to be right yeah knows what he wants he's, he's, he's passionate burning and you've you've met him right reeves i've met him i interviewed him for uh samus returns when that game came out and he was, I mean, I was pressed, so he had no reason to not be nice to me. Uh, yeah, right. But exactly. he criticized you as a human being. Uh, he's like, I don't like you or your hair. But other than that, he was a very nice person. Well, that's a typical greeting for, for you that's from right. strangers, to be fair. Yeah. Now, I, I think it was whatever E3 they announced, Samus Returns. Uh, I had this thing, and I'm, I'm sure you've encountered it, Marcus, too, maybe like, uh, we just had an appointment that was like, Nintendo interview. It was my first thing. And we didn't know what it was for. They hadn't announced it yet. It was just like, hey, Nintendo interview, just show up. And basically they announced Samus Returns. And then I went and met Sakamoto and I was like, all right, I guess I, like I had, I just found out about the new, the new Metroid like 15 minutes ago. And now I got to talk to, you know, Mr. Super Metroid and like not, not waste this opportunity. It was, it was, it was kind of stressful, but it was, it was it, it, like, he was a sweetheart. He was a really nice guy. Why did you ask him about the game in Farcer cover? <sighs> I didn't. I, I asked him about making Samus female at the end of the original Metroid. So, I can't believe I, what was his answer? He's answered that question before. What was I thinking? Oh, I don't, he, he was saying that, I mean, not to, to quick aside, he, he was saying that it wasn't like, it wasn't some huge, like, decision that they made early on that it was like yeah we're gonna trick the players it was a very late game like oh that'd be cool well that'd be a fun twist right at mm-hmm. the end yeah you know yeah, that was the impression i got to is like they didn't realize that they were making this big decision and creating one of the most iconic female characters in gaming they were just like hey wouldn't it be fun yeah if we just subverted players expectations here at the end of the game that's what they were trying to do yeah and it did work yeah i guess we can sort of dive into the story i know uh, there's one more quote i definitely want to read there was the one you read, Kyle, that I thought was interesting from the guy at D Rockets, but then 
there's another quote later from Sakamoto. It says, I, I think we've been able to make a Metroid game with an enjoyable story this time. I was really thinking that I'd like a large audience of players to enjoy this action game with a proper story. That's the reason for the simple controls. I wanted as many people as possible to play this game. That's interesting thought that he thought they had created this masterpiece of storytelling and the controls are simpler. I don't know that they're, they make it a better Metroid game, not to harp on the controls. I think the controls are fine, especially given how they automate dodging and all that. But I think for my money, I still probably prefer a traditional game like a dread or even like a first person game, like one of the prime games. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is something nice to be said about not having to go track down a nunchuck when you want to play Metroid in a weird way, right? It's like, it's just that one extra hurdle is if you don't have your nunchuck nearby, it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm, I don't know where that is. I'm not going to play this. So that's nice that you could just play with just the, the Wii remote and not have to track down extra accessories and stuff like that. But I think they should have not layered the, the first person stuff on top. Then if you're going to keep it simple, why switch over to the first person to shoot? missiles? Got to use that pointer, dude. The pointer was cool as hell. There's another quote uh, from that interview, Reeves, where Sakamoto said, in this game, I want to depict the emotions of a woman called Samus. I thought that was pretty interesting. Should we just, for the rest of this episode, just read that whole transcript? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I think it's like, should we refer to Uh, Samus as a woman called Samus going forward? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess the, the, th- the thing about that Iwata asks thing there, because we're pulling from it so much, is like, there's not that many frank discussions about the game, really. You know, those Iwata asks interviews are real mm-hmm. uh, treasure troves of just like interesting quotes that like they wouldn't necessarily offer to the press. Because when your boss asks you a question about a game and you say it and then, you know what I mean? Like, he's either going to be, all right, yeah, we can say that or he's going to tell you right then and there. It's like, no, we're yeah, not going to talk about that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's both ways. I'm sure there's stuff that they wouldn't have said to their boss, but at the same time, it's also, if your boss is asking you a question, you feel a little bit more free to give the answer than you, you maybe normally would. Right. Yeah. So they're they're worth checking out if, if for some reason we haven't enticed you to check out that Wada asked. You definitely should. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can dive into the story. I think one of the big things for me with the story, and you alluded to it earlier, Kyle, with that quote about how they just totally do not understand who Samus is as a person. I just don't think they they understood why people resonated with that character to begin with. In my mind, Samus is very capable, you know, the stoic warrior, and it's somewhat of a cliche, but the fact that she's a space marine and also a woman, like you don't see that that character very often who's a very like stoic woman and also a very Mm. capable warrior who can sort of do anything and and i feel in other m they took some of that away from her and they made her a little bit more demure maybe or she was definitely she definitely sort of bent the knee a little bit to adam malkovich oh not even a little bit like she is she straight up agrees in the beginning of the game like yeah i will be your subordinate like anything you say I am going to do like that is the condition that he makes when they encounter each other <laughs> to work together. And I also just don't get why like who, this guy doesn't come across as like the super charismatic. I'll follow you into hell guy either. Well, they spend a lot of the game going through uh, Samus's backstory because the whole game is narrated by Samus. Like she's pretty much just inner monologuing the entire game and they establish like, oh, you know, when I was a kid after my parents got murked. 
by Ridley. I was taken in by, um, you know, he took me in. It was basically like the father I never had. And he was the only one that understood me like for reals. And like, she straight up calls him like my best friend slash father figure. And like, they hammer mm. home. Like I have nothing but respect for this guy. And even my stupid thumbs down thing to him is like our, is like a term of endearment almost <laughs> like, cause it's like, Oh yeah. You know, everyone else in the squad or at least in Samson's mind, she felt like they looked down on her because she was the youngest and she was the only female. And so like every time they did the thumbs up, like mission brief, she would do thumbs down. It's like a symbolic, like I reject everyone's notion of what you think I am, but also I agree with Adam at the same time. It's weird. Well, Samus that. does seem like the kind of person who would like totally disagree with whatever the Federation was doing or disagree with her. Yeah. You know, people giving orders, but the, her thumbs down comes across as sort of petulant and just, I don't think she would thumbs up or thumbs down. I think she would just walk away and be like, I'm just going to deal with this. I'm going to take care of it. Yeah, I mean, the way it's animated, too, in the cutscene, like, it does look petulant, because she keeps doing it. She, like, already has it out, and they're like, okay, we see it, and then she'll, like, keep, <laughs> like, reinforcing, like, in case you didn't see, I'm thumbs like that. I'm, I'm doing it, in case you can't see, and it's like, all right, we, we get it, you're she's walking out of the room, and she's, like, running in front of him. <laughs> yeah, like, just short of that, so, like, I, I think, like, I guess they explain why Samus would, like you said, kind of bend the knee to adam because she goes on and on about how awesome he is basically again he doesn't he's like very cold and calculating but i think they also establish like that's why she respects him there's like a scene where there was like some mission i think this was like the breaking point between the two when she split where he basically sacrificed his own brother for the good of the mission because he was like trapped on part of a ship that was gonna blow up and if they had taken the time to go rescue him then it risked the entire crew and Samus wanted to do it. Like, no, let me go in there. Trust me, I can do this. And he just says, like, no, we, we're going to go. And she's like, what? That's your brother. And he's just like, you know, like he's showing like no emotion, but you can tell like, okay, like that's a hard decision. But he's kind of looking at a very from a more pragmatic yeah. leadership. View. She thinks he's cool. But do you guys think Adam's cool? No, not at all. <laughs> he's no. just a. He's just like an old dude that's just, I mean, you don't see much of him. And then the times you do hear from him, it's more annoying because he's the guy that's dictates when you can use all your stuff. And to me that like, even watching it, I'm like, it was like infuriating because it, again, it goes against what I feel Samus is as a person. It's like, yeah, I get that you've laid the foundation for why she would agree to listen to this guy. Cause she respects him, but I still don't like mm. it. Like she's not an idiot. She should know. Like and especially given how late this is in the timeline, this is in between Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion. So Samus is like saved the galaxy like countless times by herself at this point. Yeah, that's another weird thing. Have you been keeping up with the things I've been doing since I left? Like, how many times have I saved the universe? I've got a ship that looks like my head. <laughs> they don't just give those yeah, away. That's, that's a West Coast Customs joint right there. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that that feels at odds with everything that's been in the scene and it wasn't like a reboot met other m was like in fiction supposed to be like you're saying slotting in so it's not like they're they were rebooting this thing i mean i think it was it was even marketed maybe i mean i could be wrong about this but i felt like it was even marketed as like this is a sequel to super metroid like this is picking up where super metroid left off like you said kyle it opens with a real uh, an admittedly really nice cinematic of the final fight in super metroid 
with the baby Metroid sacrificing itself, because that's key to the antagonist and the plot of Metroid at the is the death of that Metroid, yeah. you know, and, and like I said, this game has like the most story heavy plot because there's all kinds of twists and turns and there's like a whole conspiracy within the Galactic Federation where they basically become the umbrella company and are trying to manufacture Metroids as bioweapons and they recreate Mother Brain's a like her AI as like a, a computer AI android to control their own manufactured Metroids and space pirates. Uh-huh. Did any of that make sense, by the way? I remember playing this game and just being confused about what was happening. That whole character MB. Yeah, <laughs> I, I played it like within the last like year and a half. And Marcus might as well just be making <laughs> stuff up because like I don't remember any of that I, stuff. I would say I had to rewind this thing a couple times to be like, wait, what? Explain that again. But yeah, like there's like a twist where you meet a survivor because like the mission, you, you get a distress signal on the ship and that's where you find Adam and your old crew and agree to work together and you find out that oh the galactic federation on the side was manufacturing bioweapons but not everyone at large knew about it but it went sideways so they sent a sleeper agent in adam's team to basically kill everyone on the station that was still alive that had knowledge because they didn't want the federation at large to know like oh we were trying to do this thing and so like that's another subplot where you see like a federation guy just murdering your teammates and Samus dubs them the deleter. <laughs> that's right, the deleter. Oh, that's okay. right. And don't they sort of abandon that subplot at some point? Like you never find out who that is, do you? No, you do, but it's like it's kind of swept to the like it's like a dude on your team that is introduced, but he's not like a main like the only character that matters is your best friend Anthony. She's the only yeah. one that's kind of fleshed out besides Adam. All the other guys are literally just there. They get like full introductions. They're like a pretty hilarious roll call sequence. But other than that, the next time you see them, it's like, oh, they died. I'm kind of looking at the, at the summary again. And there's like a character, Madeline Bergman, whose initials are MB. Yeah, that's the twist. And so she has ties to Mother Brain, which is very clever. Yeah, because Madeline Bergman was the head of the bioweapon division. And... She's like a clone or something, right? Something yeah, like that. you meet who you think is Madeline early on, but then you find out that's MB, the artificial AI based on Mother Brain, and that apparently they gave her a humanoid android body because they thought that would enhance the relationships with the Metroids and like that motherly way. Because that's another big theme with this game is like motherly themes. Because Samus goes on and on in the beginning about like, oh, I lost the baby Metroid and I, I can't believe it. That was it thought I was its mom and I'm really hurt by this. So like when you meet the real Madeline, she's like, no, that lady you met, that was fake Madeline. She lied to you. And like we based <laughs> like we she's the she is the mother brain AI and I named her I gave her my name to make her feel more human basically. Like they show them kind of bonding and he gives her like a little hairpin and just like, yeah, your name, that's your name, Madeline Bergman. And she's like, oh, wow. Mommy, that's your name. Yeah. She never really questioned <laughs> that. She just kind of goes like, oh, my God, this is great. And then eventually she just turns on everyone on the ship because she views humans as like corrupt or something. And she's like, oh, you guys are all going to be judged for your sins. I'm going to control the space pirates and Metroids and have them murder all of you. And. Yeah, she just she just gets mad basically. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm mad now. There's an element there that I like. The idea of like taking Mother Brain's consciousness as she's this super intelligent 
thing and trying to download it into some kind of AI machine that then that becomes an antagonist of Samus on some level. I'm like, okay, I think there's something there. I think that's a cool idea, but the execution of this thing is just a mess. And I did not understand what was happening. Yeah. Cause it's not like the consciousness remembers Samus or anything like that. And plus revenge. It, it, it It's weird. It doesn't even, it kind of only goes against Samus just because Samus happens to be in her way of her goals. Like there's no real personal animosity there because they, they just met like a mm. few hours ago. Right. So like the, the closest thing to that is like, you know, you fight like a baby version of Ridley who they also tried to clone and that went sideways. And this is actually a big part of the game that a lot of people had issue with in terms of Samus's characterization because the first time you come, they come face to face. Samus has like a full blown PTSD, like breakdown and can't fight Ridley like she like flashes back to when Ridley killed her parents and I remember watching that just like what like how many times have you fought Ridley up to this point and and won why is it suddenly a problem and like and it kind of goes against the large theme of like oh are we kind of defanging Samus a little bit because she has to get rescued not once but like I mean I guess technically multiple times you count Adams you know allowing her to use her weapons like pretty much just like she has to depend on men to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to survive because yeah. like adam bails her out or anthony bails her out of the ridley situation because she was gonna die because she just surrendered basically to him and then he has to bail her out yeah like every game up to that point like the thing that's so cool about metroid uh even today is like she's on her own yeah. and that's always been really compelling like that's a big part of the mood of metroid is like how lonely it is and how you're able to overcome that by yourself and so to sort of shift that for a story where she's reliant on other people in in more ways than in like multiple ways and then isn't able to overcome her own demons like it just it just felt antithetical i don't know it just didn't it felt like a step backwards for her it's like again maybe yeah. if this was like early days samus sure but like again this is very like up to the until dread came out this was the second to last entry in the in the timeline yeah like maybe if it was a story about her getting her armor uh, from the Chozo or something like that, you know, like that, just that introductory story. Maybe, maybe it would have worked better, but yeah, well, that's the story I've always wanted to know is like, tell me more about Samus and her Chozo heritage yeah. and like being raised by this alien race. Cause that'd be so weird and isolating and unusual. And instead we get this story about her and her commander, Adam Malkovich. And we don't care about this guy. Tell us some story about this Chozo who raised her. Shouldn't that be your father? Shouldn't that be the person she looks up to? Dread dipped its toe in, which was interesting. Not a lot, but yeah. Yeah. You would think it'd be mentioned here because you do see a lot of stuff of her like as a child, but it's really grazed over. And it's like, you think Adam would bring that up, right? In a conversation. Like, yeah, tell me about that stuff. (laughs) Well, there's that scene in Infinity War with uh, Thanos where he like, gets Gamora as a kid for the first time. And that scene is like, yeah. what, 90 seconds long or something. There's more like storytelling in the 90 <laughs> seconds of, of uh, Gamora than they do with Samus in this game. What do you guys think of uh, Samus? Just her performance. Uh, Cause she, you know, does not shut up in this game. She talks a lot. I don't remember it offending me one way or another. Like I, I don't mind her talking, I, but it just seemed very muted, but I do think Samus is a muted person, and I don't mean that like as a pun, as a silent outside the protagonist. I mean she's like she's just typically not very emotional, and I don't think 
the voice acting, the performance wasn't, if I remember correctly. Maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, I actually have a quote again from Ryuza Katara, who is the director of D-Rockets. He said, I'd like players to pay attention to Samus's voice actress as well. Samus is a woman who is poor. This is your quote, actually, Kyle. It's just a little bit bigger. He wants you to pay attention to the voice actress. Samus is a woman who's poor at coping with life's problems. As a result, we chose a voice actress not because she was technically proficient, but because she could talk naturally in her own words. And Sakamoto jumps in. He's like, so her essence is close to Samus's. And he's like, yep, that's right. Mm. She is basically who we think Samus is. So the voice actress was chosen because she's this. It kind of seems like a Samus like lady. It's yeah, it's weird because like <laughs> I agree, Kyle, like and Samus always struck me as someone that maybe is intentionally like she's not very emotional because she's a hardened warrior. And also maybe there's some trauma that she just has not worked through properly, right? Like maybe she doesn't know how yeah, to be totally. emotional. And that's fine. So like when you when you're trying to perform Samus and, and convey that, it's like, does she come off as emotionally wooden intentionally? Or is it just the performer isn't great at it? You know, it's weird. There's like a thin line there, but it's one of those things like I feel like you know it when you see it. Like when someone is acting yeah. emotionally unavailable and you're like, oh, what a great performance. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I don't know if they are just good. Um, and it, I feel like the performance in this game, it's kind of all over the place. There are scenes where I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Like I, I liked Samus there. And there's others where it's like, it could have been better. It, it, it feels really uneven throughout the game for me. Mm. That's probably what she was asked to do. Yeah, I mean, there's, but it's just even times where it's like, okay, like Samus is excited here, or she's mad, and then it kind of falls flat. The performance, it's like, uh, I don't know, like she could be, like uh, again, not to get into dread, but there's the times where Samus like emotes in an extreme fashion, and, and dread is a lot more. Effective. Oh, she gets mad. Oh, yeah, when she gets like mad in dread. <laughs> I love that sequence. Yeah, that's it amazing. Was, it was more effective there than any time she got like mad in this game. Like I felt it in dread yeah. here. I was like, mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, she again, this goes back to just narrative design, character design. You don't have to have a character speak to show off their personality. There's that scene. And I think everybody's seen it at this point where she's just charging up her charge shot when she's going to face a crade. And she's just standing there and Craig's towering over her and she's charging her charge shot like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. I felt like that was You're talking about in, in dread. Yeah, in dread. yeah that's yes. such a cool scene of like, oh, like we're going to we've done this before. Like I I'm ready. <laughs> and that just tells you so much about Samus and who she is without her saying a word. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I love that scene. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I, I just think that um. Like you're saying, Kyle, like I'm not opposed to more story in Metroid. And ultimately I'm glad that they yeah. I'm glad that they took a shot at telling a more fleshed out story. Cause it's something I think, like you said, fans wanted with this. And even like Zelda. I, I I'm wondering, like, would I be more okay with a story this fleshed out if it was a studio like Naughty Dog or Rockstar doing it? Like a story that's known for its storytelling? Would it be more acceptable if they made Ta Samus this chatty and this involved as opposed to Team Ninja? or anyone else that just isn't known for storytelling? Like, am I, is the problem that there's too much story or that it's just not very good? I mean, I, it's so windy and like so many twists that just aren't really earned. Like I, I, the thing that I would like from a, like a Metroid story is just like a deeper dive into like how the sort of the politics of the universe and how Samus fits into it's that. like a Mandalorian style thing. 
yeah, like, does she work for the military? Like, who's hiring her? She's a bounty hunter. You know, like that. I think there's more. You don't even have to have a twist. I just think there's something more interesting there than, you know, government conspiracy that she's uncovering. It's like, I just want to know baseline just more oh. about her in general. Yeah, you know, we talked about the prime three. It's like, is Samus rich? She should be, right? She's a bounty hunter that yeah, gets all right. her jobs done. So is she balling? Or what does she do with her money? Really? Or who is she getting this from? Did she buy that ship cash? She yeah, showed right. up with like a Samsonite briefcase full of <laughs> credits or whatever their just, money is. <laughs> A Samus Knight briefcase shows up to a dealership, points to a ship, puts cash down, and doesn't say anything. It did like that's like that's how Samus rolls. Going back to the mother thing, this is a little aside, but I I didn't even pick up it on it until last week that the the acronym for Metroid Other M is Mom. That has to be intentional, I'm sure. Oh, mm. I was gonna say. I mean, that makes more sense than my reach. I was like, oh, if you put the M in front of other, it spells mother. That's interesting. But I don't want to skip past Ridley either, because the first time you encounter him, you don't know it's Ridley. They think they call him Little Birdie. He's in a little. He's like this mean looking <laughs> Moogle character. Or not even mean. Like, that's the twist is that everyone on the ship didn't think he was dangerous. Like when they cloned him, he came out as a weird Pokemon looking thing and they're like, oh, well, this has no (laughs) combat potential. So we just kept them as a pet, gave him a name and everything. And everyone at the station just thought he was like rainbows and sunshine until he (laughs) until he evolved and murdered everyone. I kind of like that. Do you you guys like that? Am I crazy? It's it's funny. If nothing else. (laughs) Like because you do find throughout the game, like you're the corpses and then you realize like oh this because you see the corpse of it and it's like oh i guess the true ridley kind of emerged out of him like okay that's kind of it reminds me of gremlins a little bit like okay i guess that's kind of cool i don't know it's yeah, it's a little gizmo looking character yeah you just, you just get wet and you turn into a ridley they fed ridley after midnight was there a mistake? oh that's what it is right <laughs> yeah never do it did they ever sell a plush of that thing uh, probably not that sounds like a missed opportunity <laughs> was right? popular enough <laughs> I would like one. Someone on Etsy probably has it. Ah, man, is that it? Uh, is that the full story, Marcus? I know we skipped over a ton, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Adam dies. You know, he sacrifices himself similar to how he did the first time, which the story goes on. Again, there's not much subtlety with this story. Like the, any sort of symbolism, they really hammer it home to like, hey, this means something because there's like, oh, he's going to kill himself the way he killed his brother. And Samus objects the same way. And they show you the flashback, like, shot for shot it's like uh, like i i i got that but okay <laughs> um so like yeah. you know he he well, sacri- isn't it good that they cut down all those scenes earlier in the game <laughs> so that they could fit that scene in later <laughs> i guess so Crucial. But yeah he kills himself cuz they kill the metroids which they revealed uh the ones that they manufactured uh didn't have the weakness to ice so they were more or less invincible and that was a problem so adam takes care of that by mm. blowing them all up and it's weird because, like, uh, I was going to ask you guys since you played it, like, the final boss isn't against MB. In fact, she gets killed in a cutscene. It's not till after the story ends that uh, Samus goes back to the ship because she wants to retrieve Adam's helmet that you battle uh, Fantoon, who was one of the bosses in Super Metroid. And that's like the real final boss. And it kind of comes out of nowhere. But yeah, I was surprised watching the scene of like, oh, did she just get dealt with? <laughs> in a cutscene like the big bad because <laughs> it galactic made no Fe- sense yeah the galactic federation comes in and ju- they just shoot her down 
Because is Fantoon? He wasn't like a fan favorite, was he? Or was he? I. It felt like a, I'm looking him up. Felt like a nostalgic throwback that nobody was asking for. Yeah, like he's definitely not Creed or anything. Got an eyeball in its mouth, surrounded by teeth. I had to look it up. I mean, I don't even really. I do remember. remember that fight though, Marcus. I remember getting to the end of the game, and you're like, "Okay, here comes the big fight. MB's going to transform into some monster, and I'm going to fight her." Uh, no, she killed by an NPC, and then you. Am I done with the game? Like it was like, <laughs> I guess there's no end boss battle in this game. It's like they they wrote themselves into a corner. Oh no, the boss got killed. Now there's no end boss. Quick, let's create something. Is how it feels. Yeah. yeah. Also, she's weirdly. I mean, I guess much like Mother Brain herself, like weirdly fragile. This MB, they built her up as this powerful force, and then she literally just gets shot down in a hill of bullets. <laughs> Pour one out to Metroid's greatest villain. And I guess yeah. And then now, Adam, like, is the name of your AI moving forward? Like, Adam show was in Fusion and is in Dread. That's what your AI's name is, Adam. But it's like. It almost feels like it's just a coincidence. Like, it's not like Adam's subconscious was, like, downloaded into a computer or anything, well, right? Metroid, didn't Fusion kind of imply that? That it was his actual consciousness? Because he does... The one trait that remember. carries over is that she he calls Samus Lady, which was real life, Adam's, like, nickname yeah. for her. Nickname for her, yeah. Well, the sad thing is, I think the computer in Metroid Fusion has more personality than Adam Malkovich does in this game. <laughs> yeah that's uh impressive actually <laughs> so yeah also uh, another thing about the story real quick is that they really go out of their way to remind you that samus is in fact a woman what she's a woman adam got between adam constantly referring her lady but uh her other friend anthony his nickname for her is princess like every time he shows up <laughs> he cannot stop calling her princess how many days after this game does fusion take place? Is it like a week later? And she's because ref- there's that scene in fusion where she's taking the elevator ride. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, my computer. It's the consciousness of Adam Malkovich. I remember Adam is <laughs> like my old commander. It's just like reflecting on this thing that just happened. He blew up last week. Real good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's not clear what the time difference is. I I guess it's not terribly far, but. I don't know. And I don't I didn't see anything about like an exact timeline there. But yeah, I mean you can kind of see it in that final scene at the end of Other M where she gets the helmet, you beat Fantoon, and she like sets it down in the cockpit and she's kind of like talking to it like he's there in a sort of a weird way where you can kind of understand, like, yeah, I could see her programming her Siri to become Adam because she's already again, maybe not processing grief <laughs> the way that she needs to. Because she's like, yeah, it's like, I'm sorry, I came, ba- I came back too late for you, Adam, or something like that. And it's a little creepy, a little bit. Well, it's cool because it goes back to, okay, here's Samus, is this presumably a human, or whatever humans are in the Metroid universe, raised by an alien race of birds, and she's super isolated, Her and her best friend is a computer? Like, that's a cool character, right? Yeah. But then Other M just injects all these other characters into the mix that we don't care about and muck up her personality. So it's, I don't know. It's, yeah. it doesn't understand what is cool about Samus or Metroid. You find out her best friend was a computer like man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. And it's can, canon canonicity, I guess. Is that a word? 
is like in question now. Is Metroid Other M canon? I don't think I don't think for sure. I don't know. Until Anthony shows up in Prime Four, I guess, or any other game, then I think Anthony might be dead, right? No, he made it to the end. He's the only survivor of oh, good their for squad him. at the end of Other M. He's the only one that makes it out. Okay, cool. I remember him jumping into lava or something. He gave you the thumbs down at the their final meeting at the Federation because Samus finally gives a thumbs up to her death. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a, there's finally pretty, did it. When she's reflecting on Adam's death, she's looking out the window and she's like, I'm giving you a thumbs up now. <laughs> oh, this game. Yeah, that's that's Metroid Other M. Any other final thoughts on that thing? I, I still want to emphasize that like it feels good. It looks good. There is a good like a well-designed Metroid map that's worth exploring. It's just, it, and it's, it's actually a bummer that like you can't skip cutscenes. that would almost fix the problem. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, some of those scenes are long, yeah, like middle gear length almost. Yeah. And like, like I said, you still find stuff like you, but it's just, it's connected to someone telling you that you found it and you can finally use it as opposed to actually finding an item in the, and that just really, that sucks. It just really sucks. Someone out there should create the Metroid Other M Phantom edit. Yeah. You know, the, the edit where they just, maybe they just cut out all of Samus's dialogue and see if it works better that way. Just, just, just a lot of like two minute sequences of her, like staring into the distance while other characters uh-huh. talk around her. <laughs> and maybe she's just always like charging up her weapon. Cause that's cool. Right. Yeah. Or cut out Adam's dialogue. So it looks like she figured out that I should use this weapon now. Even that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. I think it is probably the weakest in the series. I know there's that caveat with the first two in the series. Yeah. Like other, other M would be more fun to play today than the original Metroid and Metroid 2, yeah. I think. I guess in terms of preserving the spirit of Metroid, it's the weakest. Yeah, I mean, certainly the weakest yeah. story. But like, yeah, like a, it's a cool world that you're on a ship that has like all these different biomes and stuff. And like the, there's even some biomes that are like holographic uh, like imagery so like you'll like blow up a wall in this like forest and it will reveal like a pathway to get to like the me- the inner mechanics of the ship and that kind of stuff is really cool and i like that you know we've talked a lot about metroid doesn't sell super well it's not one of their biggest selling properties but usually a metroid game can sell a million copies at least uh, metroid other m took like two years before it finally hit that mark so it was not like mm. a great seller Yeesh. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if Dread has already outsold it. Probably, oh, I would, it I would bet it has. Right? Yeah. I think Dread's kind of on its way to maybe being the best-selling Metroid game. Period. Oh no doubt. Like, yeah, I would. I would have bet on that easily. Yeah, even before it came out. It's a new Metroid game on Switch. Like that Switch bump, it can't be denied. You know. Yeah, this was the last game Sakamoto directed, not just in the Metroid franchise, but period. Hmm. It feels like it maybe had. Maybe impacted his career a little bit. That's a long time. I mean, he's still producing games, but he's not directing them anymore. Yeah. He does seem like really hands-on though, right? Like he does, I, I don't think he got like uh, demoted or anything. I think he just is like just taking a different approach. I don't know. That's That's my perspective anyway. It's all conjecture, but like, just even like looking at how present he was in the, the Metroid Dread marketing and how he was put front and center for like you and me Reeves to interview him for Samus returns and stuff like that. Like, I think he's still really involved. I just don't yeah. think he's like maybe doing core design or something like that. You know, yeah, it looks like he has producer credits going forward. Yeah. 
I understand Kyle, what you're saying, Kyle, and you might be right. But at the same time, even if it wasn't like an intentional demotion, if you work on something and, you know, he's out there saying like, this is my pride and joy. I'm like really attached to this thing. He wrote it. He directed it. He produced it. This is like his baby. And then it gets panned and people say it's the worst thing in the franchise. That probably hurts you a little bit. And you're a little oh, bit yeah. shy to go out there and direct again. I'm sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. He's like, I can never step foot in Mall of America ever again. <laughs> never say like, you're the other M guy, aren't you? This game definitely does seem to impact Met the Metroid franchise on the whole. We've talked about Metroid's golden years being, you know, when they kick it off with the first Prime slash Fusion game to probably the release of this. Realistically, there's a lot of Metroid games in there releasing like every few years. We were getting a lot of Metroid. And then after the release of this, it's, you know, there's Federation Force in 2016, which some people would say is not a real Metroid game. And then there's the remake of Samus Returns in 2017. But the first like new Metroid game is is Dread, which is this year. So it's a good 10 years, yeah. 11 years even before you yeah. get a new Metroid game. What was Prime's original release window? Did they say when they announced it? Did they say like, 2020 or something I like that like they I never ever gave a window for that okay that would make mm-hmm. sense if they didn't i just was wondering if maybe they had and then it got delayed because i mean they keep announcing delays but it's like what do you if you don't have a date is it does it count as a delay you know yeah They're like whatever you thought it was going to be push it back <laughs> <laughs> it's not that <laughs> here's my other like crazy theory i think Metroid Other M wasn't just bad for the Metroid series. I think it was maybe bad for Metroidvanias because the year before Other M comes out, Shadow Complex comes out, which mm, some people you can mark is like, is a great game. It's, hey, we're going to do a Metroid game. It's not Metroid, but we love this, this genre so much we're going to make it. And some people would cite that as like the beginning of the indie Metroid renaissance. Oh, for sure. But after Shadow Complex, there's it's not like people pick that up and like run with it and there's a ton of metroid games in the indie space it's i feel like the next year other game came out and people were like oh maybe metroid games are hard or maybe people don't want that and maybe it salted the earth a little bit i don't know this is again yeah, conspiracy theory but it feels like it's a good five years even after that before we start getting all these like indie metroid style games yeah you'd have to kind of track and see like when was Axiom Verge development started? When was Guacamelee development started and that kind of thing? You know, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Axiom Verge would have been a couple years after. It was like 2012. Yeah. The only thing that I, that pops to my mind that came out soon was, uh, remember that game Dust? The Legion Tale? That was oh, 20, yeah. yeah, I like Dust. That was 2011 or 2012. It's but, funny, I kind of forget that that's sort of a, yeah, that is kind of a Metroid game, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that game's cool. Yeah, I like that game. Well, I think that'll do it for us today. Please uh, write in, everybody. Tell us what you think of the show. Let us know what you want us to do next. Send us an email, podcast at GameInformer.com. We're reading the emails. Join our Discord and let us know what you think of the show. And leave us a review. We're checking those out. We'll start reading them here on the show. And you can follow me at Benjamin Reeves on Twitter. And you can follow me at Marcus Stewart 7 It's the number seven. And Kyle, do you want people to follow you anywhere? Should people check out your stuff? Anything to plug? Uh, sure. Kyle M. Hilliard on Twitter. Uh, hey, why don't you go read all my old stuff on Game Informer? You can find that. 
That old Sakamoto interview? Yeah, you can probably track that down. Go read my History of Pokemon piece. There you go. Uh, but uh, seriously, though, uh, MinMax, our Patreon, find me over there. I'm on just about every week talking about video games with your old pal Ben Hansen, the other Ben we like to call yeah. him. Yeah, you guys did a Metroid Dread, uh, Deepest Dive is what you call them. They're basically yeah. like game clubs. That's right. That was a lot of fun. This is a two-parter. It's worth checking out. If you like what we're doing, I bet you'll love the Metroid Dread Deepest Dive. Yeah, thank you, Reeves. And if you can't get enough Dread Talk, come back next week because that'll be uh, our next game. We're going to close out the Metroid series right here. Did you guys do pinball? Ooh. We did not. Get get out of here with that, Kyle. <laughs>